Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. Hi again, it's Larry Gifford and Nikki Reitmeyer for another extra dosage episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. These are the in-between bits, that special bonus content to get you through until we get to the next full episode. Before we get started, I want to just thank everyone who's listened and subscribed to When Life Gives You Parkinson's. You are all brilliant, amazing people. Thank you. And thanks for telling your friends all about it. But Larry, you're not someone that they can just listen to. You are someone they can see as well, if you're curious to know what Larry looks like. I'm a handsome devil. (laughs) Since you're listening to this podcast, I assume that you have some interest in Larry, or at least in Parkinson's disease. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more, like what Larry looks like, he was featured in a three-part series on global news about living and working with Parkinson's disease. So if you go to globalnews.ca and search for Parkinson's, you're going to find all sorts of cool stuff, including that three-part series with extensive interviews with Larry, with his neurologist, others, including his wife, Rebecca, as well. Uh, we've all re- met Rebecca, of course, oh, yeah. on this podcast, Larry. I've met her. You've met her several times, at <laughs> least. <laughs> She's a lovely woman. We've met her on the podcast, and now you can see the interviews with her as well if you check out globalnews.ca. I love the interview that she did with Global News reporter Nitu Garcha, and I think that people listening to this will love it, too. Well, I hope so. And uh, we're going to play it. And I, I got to warn you. Got to get out some Kleenex because I cried for like 20 minutes of my oh, That's so sweet. Here you go. Here it is. Larry was 45 at the time of his official diagnosis, but it was years before that that he started experiencing some symptoms. Regardless, did, what was your reaction? Was it shock, surprise when he, when he got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease? It was surprise and a lot of questions. I didn't know that much about the disease. What most people know is it's a tremor. It's something that usually happens to people 65, 70, 75 years old. Um, So I didn't really know. I didn't have a context for what it meant. Um, I did know that it would be degenerative and he could, you know, it would last over a long time. And, but other than that, I, you know, it was just a lot of questions. And unfortunately with this disease, there aren't a lot of answers. There, are, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot that anybody can tell you. The doctor, the first thing they tell you is we, there's not a lot we can tell you. Right. And these are fantastic neurologists, right? But they don't know that much. They don't know how it progresses. It's different with every person. 
the collection of symptoms that you have is different and your challenges are different. And so there's really no way to be able to tell, does he have two years of living and thriving the way that he is now with a few challenges, or does he have 25 more years? And how has that uncertainty, let alone his diagnosis, changed your family life? That's the biggest, that's been the biggest challenge and the biggest source of fear, but also I think the biggest lesson because you immediately, the the fears come up, of course, we're human. You think about what, what ifs and but I hope not, and all of those questions and images of the future and fears come up. Um, but the survival system and the system that we use in our family is to bring it back to the present moment and just be where we are. What are our challenges today? How can we move through them today? How is Larry feeling today? How is our family feeling about things today? How are we all collectively doing? What can we do today to make sure that we're thriving and living and supporting each other and and being as normal a family with our new normal. So for you as his wife and the mother of his son, what's the fear for you and what this diagnosis might mean for you? You're so Mm -hmm. selfless and you're always thinking about him, but what about for yourself? Well, that's kind of you to say. (laughs) But of course, I'm thinking about myself as well and, and Henry about what does this mean for us. We've already seen a difference in how we function as a family. Um, things move a lot slower than they used to. We have to adapt around Larry's energy level a lot, which is lower than it used to be. Um, it takes a lot out of him during the day to to just function and get through work and whatnot. So when he comes home, of course, it's his home. It's his family. It's his safety place. So he relaxes. And that just means he has less energy for us. Um, but yet, so as I see that kind of shift and change over just even the last year that, that we've known about the diagnosis, I do think about what does this mean for the future? How much of a caregiver am I going to be expected to be? When I first heard about the diagnosis, um, I didn't know that much about it. And so I immediately assumed, okay, soon I'm going to be <laughs> caring for my husband and he's 45 years old, right? Um, but now you now I know it, it could be 20, 30 years of thriving and, and being where he is now, which is highly functional. Um, but everybody progresses differently. You don't know. So, right. Um, so, of course, I think about that. Um, it's just our new normal, I guess. And so thinking and fearing about the future is I, I haven't allowed myself to do that very much. I don't find that very productive or or helpful. There's so much to think about and to enjoy and be grateful for today. What can we do? That thinking about what maybe we can't do in the future is, I, I, I don't allow myself to indulge in that, I guess is the right word, um, too much. Of course I'm human and I allow myself to kind of work through whatever comes up. Um, just to take care of myself rather than to deny the emotions. But at the same time, I, I, the, the flip that I try to do is to get back to um, what am I grateful for? What can we do today? Mm-hmm. The positive aspects. What's been the hardest part out of all of this for you? I think that just not knowing the uncertainty of it. Um, and, and mostly I've uh, that's for Larry because we're experiencing it too, but we're experiencing a fraction of what he's experiencing. He's dealing with this every moment of awake and sleep. 
um, his sleep has shifted. Everything, you know, so many things have shifted um, that I that's that's been the most challenging part. And I'm I'm in awe of him as much as as well as he's thriving. But I also see the challenges, and maybe I see it more than anybody else. And so that's that's um, heartbreaking at times to watch, and the disappointment and the frustration when there's something new that crops up, or he wants to do something but he can't. You know, he's lost his most of his sense of smell, and so he can't experience that the way he used to. And he kind of recognizing that oh, so going into a pine forest is different now because I can't smell the pine. And, the, you know, just kind of watching that cross across his face and then hear him, hearing him talk about it, um, that can be heartbreaking. All that said, he's, he's thriving, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm truly in awe of him and in admiration, and um, it's deepened my love for him to just see how he's managing all of this and still finding so much to take from it and to offer to us and to offer to a community with this. So you're okay with him ripping open your personal life yeah. and so open <laughs> yes. diagnosis and how it's affected him and his family? <laughs> yes, and we've talked about this because this is this is kind of what we do, and that's one of the things that we've always had in common, and one of the things we bonded on when we were just friends before we were even dating, is creative expression mm-hmm. and writing and and making sense of our life mm-hmm. through writing and storytelling and and um, and processing what happens and how it can be offered, how it can be shifted and offered something positive to the world Mm -hmm. um, through creative expression. So it makes sense to me that he would do that. And the fact that we have to be transparent and vulnerable, that makes it even more powerful. That's good storytelling. That's the, that's how people are impacted. That's when you are truly speaking something powerful and meaningful to people and shifting, shifting this into something that can help people. And Along the way, it's helping us figure it out, and mostly him, figure out what does this mean? How am I going to move through this? How am I going to take this into the years that I, that I have left, and what can I offer from it? Right, and you've got a completely different understanding of this than your young son, who's probably also just trying to figure all this out. Yes. <laughs> um, what's been the biggest challenge? I asked for you, but what about in terms of Henry? I think for him, it's just been the shift in energy level. It's, um, he doesn't mind slowing down for his daddy. He doesn't mind helping um, pick things up and, you know, I'll get your stick for you, daddy. And, you know, what are we going to I think it's um, his, he's used to his dad having a lot higher energy level and a lot more ability to, sure, we, you know, sure, I just got home from work. You want to go out to the park? Yeah, I got it. And then we go. And now he still does that probably more than he has the appropriate amount of energy to do. Um, but that's because he loves his son and he loves spending time with him and doing that. It's, it's difficult. And Henry knows he, he has to say no to his son more frequently when it comes to things like that. And he's not asking for the world. He's just asking, hey, can you play with me a little bit? And sometimes he has to say no. And, that, and I can see both of them just go, oh. <laughs> right? They just get sad. Um, understandably, because it's it's a different relationship than they than they used to have, at least in that way. Right. At the same time, they're talking about things more. There's more downtime. Everything's kind of slowed down for us as a family, so there's more downtime as they sit and talk. They read together more more frequently. They're they're just doing things that require a little less energy, um, physical energy and physical stamina, coordination, <laughs> um, and that works. They've just kind of shifted into that new normal. 
Henry's still struggling with that a bit. He still gets pretty disappointed when his daddy says no to, to some things. Um, but he's adapting. He's remarkable. Children are remarkably adaptable. And they're and resilient. But he Larry is, and he loves one. his dad. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Larry was saying at one point, he asked, are you even going to be around for my 16th birthday? Um, so mm, yeah, maybe a different understanding when you hear that your dad's got a disease. To him, it might mean yeah. my dad might not be around. He did believe that. I think I think as he hears disease and he heard, and I... Um, I tried to explain to him. I've, I had cancer in my early 20s, and um, so we tried to explain that. And then he's known people and heard stories about people who have diseases, cancer and whatnot, who have passed away. So his limited understanding of disease, which thankfully is rel- still relatively limited for a nine-year-old, um, was, oh, people get sick and they die. So it was, it was just relatively simple. Um, and now he has a better understanding of, of that and is... Um, less fearful, I suppose, of that. I think what he experiences is a sense of loss because things are shifting and because his daddy isn't some things to him anymore. And he's still kind of working into that, but here's what he is and here's what he still offers. I think he's just young enough to not be fully ready for that evolution. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Larry. I love your wife. Can I marry? Is she is she single? No, is she she's free? taken. Thank <laughs> can, you. <laughs> she's such a sweet, supportive lady. She's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. I'm very lucky. Well, she's lucky too, Larry. Oh, stop it! Now no, I'm gonna stop. cry again. You stop. To see Rebecca and and that interview and the rest of the series that was done, a reminder again to check out globalnews.ca. And that's your extra dosage. As always, we're very grateful to have the Parkinson Canada crew as partners for this podcast. You can find more information at parkinson.ca. On the next episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Everything happens for a reason. You know, talk to mom. You know, she was clearly upset. It makes me worry about mom. That's the hardest part. That it's you and not me. I drank a lot. And I ate a lot of foods that just were comfort foods. Yeah. And tried to cope with it that way. Didn't work very well. (laughs) Do you ever wish that sometimes, though... You were still that character in their story that formerly they perceived you to be. Sure, yeah. Would I rather not have Parkinson's? You bet. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. And while you're there, give the show a rating and feel free to comment too. And tell your friends about the show. You can tag us on social media at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or just jot us a note, Parkinson's Pod at CuriousCast.ca. Keep positive. Keep exercising. And keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.